Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online. We're always glad to have you as well. I had a first this morning. I went to public. You know, I always go get my newspaper, right? Y'all know what newspapers are. They're big. They have print on them. You can read them, and then you get print on your hands. You have to wash it off. You know, it's as God intended, right? Well, anyway, I go get a paper. Well, this morning I go to Publix, right? And I go get the local paper. But when I look down at it, it's sitting there. And it's got Friday's date on it. It's got Friday the day and the date of last Friday on there. And I said, man, they've done it again because they're not good about delivering the paper a lot of times. You don't even see it show up. And so I went over. I had to get something else in the store. I came back. I said something to the girl at the customer service. She said, I don't know. So I came across. I saw a guy who works there that I talk to all the time named Frank. He's from Tennessee. We have a lot in common. We talk about stuff. I said, Frank, hey, see if you can get him to deliver the newspaper just joking with him because they don't have anything to do with it. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I was here when they brought it in. He said, that is today's paper. They don't do a Saturday paper anymore. What happened was they did the Sunday paper, but they put Friday's date on it. They forgot to change the day and the date. It's got all the inserts and everything like a Sunday paper. So listen, I went back to the girl at consumer, the customer counter there, and I said, hey, listen, the paper's here. That's the Sunday paper. It just says Friday. Frank told me about it. She said, oh, I said, anybody else comes in, you tell them that's the Sunday paper right there. My work is done here. I mean, I'm just one man, but I'm taking care of everything, okay? So so if you if you want a Sunday paper, you go to Publix over here at Breakfast Point. They've got one, but it says Friday's day and date, but it is the Sunday paper. Aren't you glad that you came to church to find that out today? You might have mumbled and grumbled all your way home going, I didn't have my paper today. I can't read my paper. How about that? I know most of you just look at it online, don't you? You see what you're missing? You're missing out on all this stuff that's happening, all this excitement. All right, now listen, I want to talk to you. We've been talking about prayer. We're doing 21 days of prayer coming early in the morning through the week on Saturday morning, we come at 9. And so it's been a blessing. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we come in here in this room, 6 o'clock in the morning, we'll be here. It's, it's a simulcast from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. They lead us in worship, and they have a devotional for us. It's wonderful. They have a little guidebook that we can use for prayer. We got all kinds of other things that we can use for prayer. You see a lot of stuff up here today. And so what happens is we have a great time of prayer, and then it wraps up. Well, this year, normally we have them wrapping up but this year we have staff and leaders of the church praying about woodlawn at the end so i hope you'll come and participate if you can't be here you can watch it online and be a part of that it's a blessing to you as well so i encourage you to be a part of it now we're talking about prayer and i want to talk about surrender today you, you have to surrender your life in order to be in god's will for your life and i want to talk about this i want to start talking about flying anybody like to fly who likes to fly in here anybody is anybody afraid of flying? You're really scared of flying. You don't, okay. There's different people, different things, right? I, I like to fly. I like, I, I go up in airplanes. I, I had a guy in my church in Navarre. He had a helicopter. He'd fly me out over the coast, and I could see. I, I would look down, and, and I would fly along the beach, and I could see tourist, shark, beach, in that order all day long. We just 
stick around to see what happened. You know, we're watching up there going, there's some sharks down there, and they're going, hey, how you doing? Good. So anyway, I don't go in the Gulf. I don't, I, you know, I, that's the sharks. It belongs to them. I don't go in there. But, but anyway, it was fascinating, and I could just feel the stress come off of me when I would fly. There was a guy in the church in Opelika. He had a stunt plane. He was my age, and, and I was out with my daughter one time on a Saturday, and we had this big get-together with the church, and when they were fishing, it was a daddy-daughter, daddy-son type thing, and so I was out there with her, and she was fishing in this pond, and this guy lived close by. He lived out in the country. He had an airstrip right by his house. He had a stunt plane, and he said, listen, I'll take you flying, and I watched him that day doing all kinds of loops and rolls and everything else, and I said, great, I'd love to go, so he takes me up in the plane. He said, where would you like to go? I said, man, I, wherever you want to take me. He said, would you like to go up to Lake Martin? I said, I'd love to. He flew me up there. His, 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 his mom and dad and his sister were up at the lake house up there, and he said, watch this, and he buzzed them. He came down <laughs> and dropped down there, and came back up, you know, and they just said, well, there he is. They, they're used to him doing this. So he dropped down on the lake, and I mean, we're flying along, and there's people in houses, and I'm waving at them, okay? It was that low. He could do anything. He said, I said, what, he said, what would you like to do? I said, fly over the dam. Because how, how are you ever going to get to see it from that perspective if you don't fly over? He flew me over the dam. It was wonderful. We circled different places, looking, looking at neighborhoods and different things. And then he brought me back. Now, when he was coming back, I loved to fly. When I was in college, I, I would go over and they would teach us how to fly glider planes. I didn't have enough money to go to the class all the time. But every now and then, I'd go over there and do it. And, and this guy would pull us up. And you'd pull the release and you'd hear the plane go down. And then all you'd hear is whoosh. Oh, it was wonderful. And this guy in the back seat, and I'm up here, and he's teaching me how to fly this glider plane, right? Well, he gives me the stick. I'm in this stunt plane. He gives me the stick, and I'm scared to death. I mean, I'm really nervous trying to do this. And he's right there, but still, it's different. When I'm just riding and he's flying, I'm great. I'm, I, the stress is off of me. I love it. I enjoy it. It's wonderful. But once I take that stick, it's different. Now, why is that? Well, because I'm not in control, right? I think I am, but I'm really not. And I did. I made the mistake that a lot of people fly when they first learn with a stick like that, the same mistake that a lot of people make. He said, you didn't realize it, but this is what you were doing. You would see the nose of the plane dip. And you'd think, I don't want it to go down. <laughs> so you'd pull that stick back, right, to keep it going up all the time. He said, the other thing is you're right-handed. And so it just naturally, it pulls. When you're pulling it back, it just pulls a little to the right. He said, you do what every person does when they're trying to learn a to fly a plane with a stick. He said, you're flying up and to the right, up and to the right the whole time. Well, anyway, we landed the plane. I had a great time doing all that. Well, you know, the thing about it is you just got to surrender. If you're afraid, you get on a plane. You know, sometimes people, they say they're scared. I say, well, just don't put all your weight down, right? <laughs> That'll work, won't it, you know? But you just got to say, Lord, you know, I'm ready to go home, you know, and today I hope I make it. But if I don't make it, I'm ready to go home, right? Either way, I'm going to be with you. So I just pray for your perfect will. What about swimming? How many of you know how to swim like to swim? You're good at it? 
How many of you are scared of swimming? Uh, there are people in the last service didn't know how to swim. They, they don't know how. They, they never learned. You know, when you're learning to swim, what happens is, and usually parents do this with children when they're really little, you, you take them out there, and, and they don't necessarily like to be out there in the water because they're not in control, right? And so what do you have to do? You insist that they take swimming lessons so that they can learn to swim because they need to learn. See, if you never learn to swim, you just keep hanging on to the side of the pool. But if you learn to swim, you got a whole new world that's introduced to you, right? And you can just go jump in the deep end and have a great time. I went up to a wedding, to officiated at a wedding in Scottsboro, Alabama several years ago, and Laura's nephew was getting married. Our daughter and her husband and our, our granddaughter Collins came. Have I mentioned I have a grand, granddaughter named Collins? Too? Have I told y'all that? Ray, I've got a granddaughter named Collins, okay? So anyway, she came, and she was about two years old at the time. And it was on the Friday night before the wedding on Saturday. We were staying at the Hampton Inn, and it was a little bit cool out. But, but Elizabeth had told Collins that Buddy, that's me, Buddy and Honey, that's who Laura and I are, Buddy's going to take you swimming, Collins. And so Collins was ready to go swimming. I think we've got a picture of that here. There, she was two right there. Does that child look like she's not ready to go? She's two years old. Now, she's six now. But but here's what the caption would read if it could. Buddy, I'm ready to go swimming. Now, she can't swim. She's two years old, right? But she's taking lessons. She doesn't care. She'll jump in the deep end. She's got her swim diaper on. That's all she needs. She's ready to go. She's got a ring. She's out there. She's got her pacifier. Let's go. Let's go swimming, buddy. <laughs> I'm ready to go right now. Well, you know what happened? Laura, I mean, Elizabeth, growing up, we had a youth minister named Andy Carty. His wife, Carrie, taught dance to the girls when they were coming through. They taught ballet there at the church, and he also was their youth minister. Well, he now lives in Homewood, Alabama. Elizabeth works in Homewood, and they live in Homewood, and they've got a swimming pool. And so what they did was Carrie teaches swim lessons. So she started taking Collins over to Carrie when she was just a little baby. And she would have her and breathe in her face and she would take her and put her under the water through a hula hoop and her daddy would pick her up on the other side and she was happy as a clam. It didn't bother her a bit. So man, she knows how to swim now. She's been released. She's not worried about it. She, got, she had a swim party this year. She turned six and she was all over the place at that swimming pool with all her friends having a great time. Now here's my point. Whether it's flying or whether it's swimming, we have to learn to surrender. And there's another place where we have to learn to surrender and that's in prayer. In prayer, we're looking for God to do what he wants to do, and we're looking to just turn our will over to his will, right? And here's what happens. A lot of times we grow up, but our prayers don't grow up with us. The disciples spent time with Jesus. They had been taught to pray since they were children. Their parents taught them how to pray. The religious leaders taught them how to pray. But they didn't really know how to pray like Jesus did. They had a lot of memorized prayers that they used since they were little children. And they heard Jesus pray, and they said, there's something different about his prayer. When he prays, he just talks to God just like he's talking to you and me. When he talks, it's a relationship. When he talks, it's direct. It's meaningful. It's so much different than us just saying stuff that we've heard all of our lives. And so the disciples who'd been praying all their lives came to Jesus and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? 
And wasn't that a wonderful thing to ask? And I told you last week that what Jesus did was he taught them what not to pray first, didn't he? Before he taught them what to pray. Now, what if you went to somebody after you heard them pray and you said, you know what, you're not very good at prayer. Let me help you. I'll straighten you out, right? They'd probably be offended by that. You might be offended too if somebody told you that. But Jesus was so smart, he didn't tell them until they ask. Teach us how to pray. So, okay. Let me teach you. And that's the best time to answer somebody's question is when they ask. And so that's what he started doing. He started teaching them how to pray. And this is what he said. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door. In other words, one of the first things he said was you need to get somewhere private. You need to get along with God. And he said, you know, just talk to him. Call him your heavenly father. That's the way you need to talk to him. Now, back then, the homes were small. In the first century, they didn't have a lot of space. So, and if they had rooms and doors, a lot of the doors were just made out of leather or cloth. And so it's hard to get away and just find a place where you wouldn't be interrupted. And today, we don't find it difficult to pray because of space, do we? We've got space. We got rooms. We can go into a different room, shut the door. We got all kinds of space. What we don't have is time. We're so busy. We're so wrapped up in this world. We don't find the time to go and spend time with God. We're busy. We're distracted. And so Jesus says, and pray to your father who is unseen, our father who art in heaven. That's what he's telling us to do. You can talk to him. He loves you. He knows you. He's your heavenly father. And then he goes on and he says this, this is, uh, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we're to recognize, first of all, who God is. We're to see him as the one true God, the only God. He has no equal. He has no rival. He is the uncreated creator. And last week we said that he is infinite, but he is intimate with us. He allows us to have a relationship. Aren't we grateful that he does that? That we can talk directly to him. We can pour our hearts out to him about anything we want to talk about. And we reflect on who God is, what happens. It, it helps us to have perspective about who we are and whose we are and what it is he's calling us to do. And then it goes on in the scripture and it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, what we get wrapped up is in is my will, my resources, my relationships, my life, my plans, and my schedule. And what God says is, no, you got that wrong. You need to shift all of that to his will, his plans, his resources. Listen, he's got more resources than we got anyway. We might as well turn to him. He can take care of us, can't he? And so we just turn to him. He said, and then you pray, thy will be done. Now, listen, I'm going to teach you something today. Nobody's ever told you this before, okay? I'm going to teach you a prayer that you can pray that will always be answered. If you want a fail-safe prayer, here it is. I, you ought to write it down. I'm telling you the truth. God will always answer this prayer. He always answers all of them. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. But this one, he will answer. You can just watch it. When you pray, thy will be done. He'll answer it every time. It's all he's waiting on is for you to surrender. Lord, I'm afraid of it. Thy will be done. Lord, I've never done it before. 
Thy will be done. Lord, it's out of my comfort zone. What did Jesus play in the, pray in the garden? He said, hey, listen, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. I can promise you when you and I get to a place of surrender, when we're genuine and sincere and real with God, I promise you he'll always answer that prayer, and it's something that you know that you're in his will when he does. So let's be honest. A lot of us, when we come to God in prayer, we don't come with surrender in mind. What do we do? We come with rescue in mind. Lord, help me. Lord, deliver me. Lord, bless me. Lord, answer my prayer. But last week I said, you remember? I said, if we start our day out the right way, thy will be done. If we surrender to God from the very start, then we won't get ourselves in a position that day where we've got to pray that prayer, Lord, help me, Lord, rescue me, because we've already been to God, and he's guiding our steps. We've surrendered to him. Does that make sense to you? You understand what I'm saying? So God, Jesus, he, he, he'll answer our prayers, but he doesn't want us to have to go there. He wants us to get beyond that and pray a prayer that's even proactive. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done. And Jesus is doing more than teaching folks how to pray. He's inviting us to experience what life is like when we surrender to God. See, it's totally different. If you don't learn how to swim, you're going to hang on to the side of the pool, won't you? You know, if you don't get over your fear of flying, you'll always be afraid. But if you get to a place in prayer where you just say, thy will be done, and then you just ask him, now teach me how to pray, Lord. What happens is you get to a place you would never have experienced if you'd never prayed that prayer. So then Jesus pivots, and he gives us three things that we focus on. He talks about our provision how God's a provider for us. He talks about our pardon, how God pardons us. He talks about our protection. He says in, in provision, give us this day our daily bread. Now, when Jesus was teaching on that, what, what did those people instantly remember? They thought back to their ancestors. They thought back to the Israelites and how Jesus, God would provide for them daily their daily bread. He would give them manna to eat. He would just drop it from heaven. How often did the bread truck show up? Daily, he would give, and it would be for that day. And if you, what happened if you tried to save some for tomorrow? It'd go bad. It wouldn't work. He said, no, I, what I'm trying to teach you, I want you to depend on me daily, and I'm going to provide for you daily, but you have to learn to depend on me. And then he gave him a warning. He said, the day is going to come when you won't have to depend on me daily for manna. He said, the day is going to come when you're going to have enough bread. You're going to have plenty of bread. If I go to your house and you've got bread, if you don't, you go to the store and get some bread, right? Pick up that newspaper. It says Friday on it, even though it's Sunday today, right? So what happens is, he says, you're going to come to a place where you got bread and you got resources and you got an income. And, and be careful. Be careful. Because when you get to that place, it's easy for you to begin to think, well, I'm self-sufficient. I got all I need. I'm not dependent. I'm independent. He said, you're not independent. He said, I want you to realize that no matter what you've got, you are still always dependent 
on me. And day by day, I want you to surrender your will to me. That's why we go to him early in the morning and we pray and we say, now, Lord, it's your day. It's not mine. You know, I'm just recognizing who you are and I'm just saying, show me. So what do you want to do today? You take my hand, I'll just follow you around. Where are we going? What are we going to do? And so that was a season when he was teaching them about how, what it means to be dependent, but it's, it's still true for us today. God's our provider. What's the thing that we struggle with most in, in what we need, we, what we ultimately need? Well, a lot of times it's, it's that we have no control over things. We have no control. We think we have control, but we really don't. And that's where we struggle. And that's where we just have to give it to God and surrender, don't we? So what do you think about? What about your health or your income or your food or your physical or mental health or that of your neighbor or your friend or your family member? You know, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm not in charge of that. I'm just going to trust you. And we remember that we are dependent on God. And so we pray. It was a big deal in the culture today for us to just take things for granted, for us to just go through life. I mean, what about that next breath? Well, it's really nice to have, isn't it? We don't think about it, do we? But God provides it. What if we didn't have it? Boy, it'd be terrible, wouldn't it? You ever talk to somebody who's got asthma and they're trying to get that next breath? What about all the blessings we have that we take for granted? It's such a blessing. And Proverbs says this, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and dis and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. In other words, we can stop and just thank God and praise God for all that he's given us and all that he does in our lives. He reminds us of our dependence. There's a provision. He provides for us. Second, he pardons us. In Matthew, it says this, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, what's required for us to be forgiven we're to forgive other people i can't pray lord forgive me unless i'm willing to forgive somebody else the scripture that paul talks about in ephesians he says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you now we don't forgive other people because they deserve it amen because they don't deserve it do they those sorry things, those dogs, those jerks, what, what's up with that? They, they don't deserve it. That's not why we do it. We do it because God forgave us, and guess what? We didn't deserve it either, but he gave it to us, and so we learned to forgive. And so ask yourself a question. Am I withholding forgiveness towards somebody else that I need to forgive? If I am, I'm a hypocrite. Because I'm asking God to forgive me, but I won't forgive them. The reason we confess our sin is to restore our relationship with God. Lord, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I messed up again. I've had thoughts about those people. I, I've been upset with people. I, I let them have it with both barrels. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have done what I did. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to be the person you need me to be to somebody else. And the reason we forgive others is because we are forgiven. Philip Yancey talks about this. He says, he wrote about this. He says, God announced forgiveness ahead of time and we should do the same 
to refuse to forgive while asking to be forgiven makes us hypocrites. In other words, what did Jesus do? He said, hey, I've already died for you. I've already given my life so you, before you were ever even born. I died so that you could be forgiven. I was proactive. I did it in advance for you. Now I want you to do what I did. And that means when somebody comes along and they offend you and somebody comes along and they hurt you and somebody comes along and they say something they shouldn't say, you've got to remember what Jesus did. And you don't have a leg to stand on. Now all you can do is get on your knees <laughs> and say, Lord, help me. Just help me to be proactive. Just help me to go on and forgive. Just help me to move past it. Because anger and prejudice and resentment and bitterness and revenge, they do not make the kind of masters that we want to live with, do they? We don't want to live under that. We want to be free. We don't need to give them our loyalty. And learning to pray is Jesus' invitation to follow God and surrender to him. Because forgiving makes us better, doesn't it? It makes me a better daddy, a better husband. Uh, it makes you a better wife or a better friend or employer or employee. You know, it's whatever God wants you to be. It just makes you better when you do that. And so then he goes on in Matthew and it says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We don't want to read that second part, do we? We don't even want to hear that. We don't even want to know about that, do we? But boy, we get convicted, don't we? Guess what? Next time you get ready to let somebody have it, just remember what Jesus let you have. And then that's what you've got to give to somebody else. Is there anybody that you're refusing to forgive? You've got to let it go. Listen, if I heard your story about injustice, I might be tempted to give you a pass on what happened to you so you didn't have to forgive. But Jesus would never do that. You know why? Because Jesus knows that a lack of forgiveness, he knows what that does to the human heart. And he knows it won't be good for you. You've got to get rid of it. And so you've got to let it go. And he invites you to forgive. Is there anybody you've refused to give? You've got to go on and let go of it. Don't get stuck there because that's where God wants to deliver you. Does prayer work? That's the question we asked last week. Well, it, it does work. But at times, it's uncomfortable when the answer comes, okay? We don't like feeling accountable to God. Really? We'd rather God be accountable to us. Okay, Lord, I asked you last week, take care of this, 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 and this. How far are you doing so far? Let's look. Come on, sit down. We're going to talk about my list now. I want to make sure that you're paying attention to me. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about my. Yeah, they wrote a song about it, okay? And, and that's what we do with God sometimes. And God says, you got everything backwards. That's not the way we're supposed to live. And we have to learn the hard way that if we learn to focus on what God wants to do in us, we don't have time to focus on what God needs to do in other people. See, what happens in the church is a lot of times we get used to playing Monday morning quarterback and just sitting back and we like to critique everybody else. Well, you didn't do a very good job on that. You didn't do that. And you forgot to do this and yada, yada, yada. And God says, you know what? I gave you a gift. And I gave you the ability. And I gave you a task. And if you're busy doing your task, you ain't got time to critique other folks. You hear me? 
And that's what God says when we start doing that. When I'm willing to focus on what I'm supposed to do, that's when I'm in perfect sync with God. Jesus was very direct about this. He talked about it in Matthew. He said, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think that'll preach right there. You don't want to hear it, but it does. It, it, it's real, isn't it? And it convicts us. So when I see who I truly am, and, and we have a hard time seeing ourselves honestly. Well, who do we lie to more than anybody else? Ourselves. Because there's nobody there to say that's not right. What do we say? I'm losing weight. <laughs> and we just pat ourselves on the back and say, yes, you are. You're losing weight. You're doing so good. And then you get on the scales, and there's a, there's a discrepancy there. Wait, wait, I've gained a pound. This can't be right. I can't lie about it because the scale does not you didn't say that with much enthusiasm. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? See, it's real easy for us to lie to ourselves because we don't want to hold ourselves accountable. But thank God he wants to hold us accountable. Thank God he cares enough about us. He loves us the way we are. He just loves us too much to leave us the way we are, right? And so he says, no, no, I got something better for you. And, and I'm just going to lead you beyond this. You're going to be healed of that. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever felt rejected by Jesus? Do you ever question his thinking? Do you ever wonder why your prayers are not answered? I've told you before, Cameron and Katie Winton are on the staff here. Their daddy, Steve Winton, and their mama, Peggy, they grew up with my wife, Laura, on the mountain in Tennessee. I've known Steve since I was in high school. All of us went in the ministry, ended up coming down here to the Alabama-West Florida Conference. to pray. He's a preacher at First Methodist Troy. He wrote this in his newsletter in the first church he ever served, and I've kept it, and I, I ran across it the other day. He talked about a man named Roy Pickens. He said that Roy Pickens, when he was in his 20s, was in an accident because of that he was paralyzed on the left side. He never regained full use of his body, but he was able over time to begin to try to walk a little bit. He had a cane. It was really hard for him to get around, but he did it. But you know what? He had been a taxi driver in Castleberry, Alabama for many years. That's something he could do. And then when he retired, he would just help his son in the garden. He'd shell beans and peas. But he had a great attitude. He'd never let what happened to him get him down. He loved the Lord. He didn't think about the misfortune he'd had in life. He didn't sit around feeling sorry for himself. You know what he did? He said, you know what? There's something I can do. I'm limited. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And here's what I'm going to do. God just put it on my heart. I'm going to start visiting the people who visit the church, new prospective members. He said, I'm just going to go to their house and see them. I'm going to go find out about them and go check on them. So when those people who are visiting the church, when they see him struggle to get out of the car and use his cane and walk to their door so that he can just tell them about the Lord and the church. How do you think they feel? Well, come on in, brother. Sit down. Take a load off. Let's talk. And then they just instantly bond with him. Do you know what happens then? If they don't show up at church on Sunday, he calls them to check on them. Make sure they're okay. You doing all right? Now, if he can get out of his car, if he can get out of his bed, if he can show up at church on Sunday morning, if he can go visit them, they're going, you know, if Roy can do it, I can do it too. And what happens is they start going, but let me tell you what happened. They start fighting over who gets to sit by Mr. Roy. 
a different family. He's surrounded in church. They, you know, <laughs> he can't even get out. There's people all the way around because they just want to be close to him. They just want to sit with him because in him, they've seen a glimpse of Jesus. I don't have everything. I can't do all things, but I can do something. And he did it. And he just surrendered his life. He said, you know, I learned, hey, God doesn't change your circumstances always. He can change your attitude toward your circumstances. And he had the right attitude. What a blessing. He didn't give up. He gave in to the love of Jesus, and he just went and shared it with other people. You know, when I preach, a lot of times I'm tested on what I preach. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's the truth. So recently, like a week ago Thursday, here's what happened. They sent Laura, my wife, an email, and they said, now, I know you teach literacy. You coach teachers how to teach teachers how to teach children how to teach. But, but they said, we don't have enough teachers to go around in the school year this year, and we need you to step in and teach the third grade. Now, we're going to keep interviewing people. We may find somebody. But, you know, and if we do, we'll pull you back out, and you can be a literacy coach. But if we don't, you're going to have to teach third grade. And so Laura and I started praying. Well, she didn't find out till Thursday late. I mean, she's coming home from work, gets home, gets an email. That's how she found out about it, late on Thursday. The next Wednesday, the classroom has to be ready. She doesn't even know where the classroom is yet. Now she's got to get it ready. So she spent all weekend, that Friday, Thursday, th Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all week, Monday, Tuesday, getting ready. She went out there, and she had to hire somebody here in the church to help her go clean and she helped her so good, cleaned off all those services, did a great job, young person here in the church. And then she had to hire somebody else and hired one of our guys here at the church, come out there and clean the walls and paint. And then she's been working, working, working. She'd get up at, at 5 a.m., she'd leave the house at 6, she'd come in at 7 o'clock at night. She's still not ready. She comes home, I don't know if I can get it ready, she said. And you know what that means is, yours truly got to fix supper. Let me tell you, I can make it happen. I can go pick it up just as good as anybody else. Bring it home, it'll be right there for her when she gets home. And so that's what I did. And, you know, we prayed. Now, Saturday morning she said this to me. She said, now, listen, we're both praying about it. But she said, I want, you to, I want you to join me in prayer, covenant with me in prayer. Here's what I'm going to pray. Lord, I would rather be a literacy coach because... I can do that. I enjoy it. It's a blessing. You opened the door for me to do it years ago. I had the training. I love the children, but I'm 61 years old, and it's more demanding physically, and I'm a breast cancer survivor, and I've just celebrated five and a half years cancer-free, and I thank you for that. But if there's any way, I'd like to be a literacy coach. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Hey, if I'm supposed to be in that class with those children, if I'm supposed to teach third grade, I love the children, I'll be glad to do it. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Yesterday she was out there at the school working again, and she sent me a text, and she said, they, they, they found and hired a teacher to teach third grade, and I'm going to help her transition this week and then I'm going to go back to being a literacy coach the next week. 
Now, that's just God. The whole thing happened just so God could do that in our lives, okay, because he just wanted to answer a prayer. I told you, we get tested on what we talk about. Hey, we're living it out, okay? We're not just talking. That's going to happen to you, too. And you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to pray, my will be done, or am I going to surrender? Thy will be done. So this week, I want you to find a place. I want you to find a time. I want you to get alone, and I want you to pray. The last thing I mentioned was protection, and he's going to protect us. What's God going to protect us from? Temptation. It says there in Matthew, and lead us not into temptation. That's a really big topic, so we're going to save that for next week. You come back, and we'll talk about it then. How's that segue? What do you think? You'd rather come back and stick around any longer, wouldn't you? Because it's about time for this one to wrap up. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that we can talk to you anytime about anything and that we can just surrender our lives to you. And you're a God who loves us. What have we got to worry about? You're going to protect us. We're in your hands. We trust you. We thank you. You're a blessing. And whatever you call us to do, Lord, we want to do it. Help us, Lord. Help us to be at that place where we can really pray and mean it. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said.